TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. Um, game three of this um, wraparound series. The Twins Royals will conclude the series on Monday here at Target Field. Twins win game one yesterday in uh, a double tip. Royals come back and win 4-2 uh, two in game two. Uh, Twins had won 4-2, and then they played again on Sunday, and guess what the final score was, boys, 4-2. Uh, Jay, let's, uh, let's first off talk about what happened at the end of today's game, though, because uh, the Twins closed it, it out. Romo got um, struck out the side, got Soler again, which I believe was his ninth strikeout in the past three games. And then the Royals got mad, and you, you couldn't necessarily tell from the press box why, but to tell us what you uh, saw on TV transpired. So what I think I heard and what people are saying on Twitter is uh, uh, Soler was not happy with that strike three call and was talking to the ump. And I think Romo yelled, keep talking, mother effer. Um, That's we'll have to confirm that. But I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. And that's what Twitter is saying. So I think the Royals were not happy with that. And And the Twins play the Royals tomorrow and then I believe a four game series next weekend. So that could get interesting. It could be juicy then. That's great. Yeah, exactly. So, the Royals are, they're certainly not great, and they're not that good, but they clearly are going to be, for 2020, the Twins' thorn in the side, right? But, like, it just seems like they hang around in games. They're not a bad ball club. They're, they're uh, certainly appear to be, have made some improvements from uh, the 2019 team that I think went something like 13-5, and five, or, or they, I should say the Royals went 5-13 and 13 a year ago against the Twins. It seems like, if nothing else, the Royals are going to be a Royal, no pun intended, or I guess there was one, pain in the Twins behind in 2020. Do, do you guys think that's an accurate assessment? Yeah, I, I would say so. They're definitely a little bit better than they were last year. And look, Jorge Soler, who up until what the seventh inning struck out like eight times and eight plate appearances this weekend. Um, I think Whit Merrifield's still a good ball player. Obviously, Alex Gordon's on the tail end of his career. I mean, they're, they're clearly a little bit better than they were last year. But you would still like to think with the way this Twins roster and lineup is loaded that you should be able to take care of the Royals. And obviously, when we were going into the season, the 60 games, you knew that they're going to have X amount against lowly teams like the Tigers and Royals. And even if, even in the worst case, if you went 500 against those teams, you're probably still going to be sitting pretty. But now, what, you're, I think, two and five against, against the Royals in 2020. And you, def- you, you definitely don't want to be, I think, sub 500 against this team. And yeah, they're, they're a thorn in the side. I really can't explain it. Yeah, I, I definitely think they're better. I mean, they're, I don't think they're going to contend this year. Uh, but the bullpen, their bullpen, they have a bunch of arms now that throw like 90, 97, 98, up to 100. Trevor Rosenthal, huge reclamation project, has looked amazing, at least every time he's faced the Twins. And I'm pretty sure his numbers on the year are really good. Um, so, I mean, with that pen and their offense is definitely decent. Like, Nicky Lopez can now get on base at a reasonable clip. Last year, I think he had like a 5 80 OPS or something like that. But like Solaris Dangerous and Whit Merrifield, man, that guy is just such a pest. Um, and that I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the he just ambushed Barrios, and that was basically the ball game yesterday. Uh so yeah, I mean, I think they're decent. I think the twins are obviously a better team. Um, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Jake, let's talk about this because I am willing to bet that this is the one thing from today's game that you absolutely love, embraced, and, and are going to be very high, I would guess, on uh, Baldelli post-game today. That's the fact that this was one of the first games, I think, in 2020 where we saw Rocco manage to a game like it was one of 60. Um, yeah. there, there were a few things. One, 
he got Duffy up in the seventh, but then they sat him down, and I don't know exactly why. But then he got not Romo up, he got Rogers up and brought Taylor in in the eighth, right? And then, and I, I know you're not as big a fan uh, of uh, Romo with some, but he brought him in in the ninth. But this, but the reality was he saw fit to pitch Rogers in the eighth and flip things to get what he deemed to be obviously three incredibly important outs. And and they also squeezed in a run to add on a run after pinch running for the catcher at third base specifically to do that. Um, this was, I think, really the first full-fledged time that we have seen in this uh, shortened pandemic shortened season, Jake Depew, Rocco managed to a game itself, and you clearly said he wants this win. This is not about tomorrow. This is not about Wednesday. This is about Sunday's game and winning this game right now ASAP. Yeah, you know, I think I think Rocco's a great manager, and I, I, I really like him, but I have been surprised that he hasn't been more progressive in using openers. And part of that's the front office too, but uh, also bringing guys in based on matchups instead of just bringing Rogers in for the ninth. I, we saw Rogers do some multi-inning appearances last year for sure, but um, you're right. They, he managed this game like a playoff game by, by pinch running for Avila in the seventh, like you said. And I love bringing in Rogers um, in the eighth against those lefties. Uh, Romo. So I, I'm a, I'm a big Romo fan. I, I mean, he looked amazing today, so you definitely can't question the decision. I was surprised, though, that we didn't see Duffy, um, especially since he was warming up and he was already presumably loose. I hope that uh, there's nothing wrong with Duffy because I fully expected to see him in the ninth, and I think most people did uh, when they had that two-run lead. But, yes, Rocco managed very aggressively today, and I liked it. I think you need to use Rodgers as that fireman guy. I don't think he should just be your ninth-inning guy, you know? Um, And so to see that this game uh, is encouraging. But hopefully Duffy's okay, because that was a little weird to me. Yeah. Dex, you have? Yeah, I, I like that you can use your best reliever in, in the most clutch situations. And and you had a bunch of lefties coming up in the eighth inning, so it wasn't too alarming uh, to see Rodgers come in, as Jake said, as basically as the fireman role. And and I think in general, managers and teams um, have, have gotten out of that habit of like, well, he's our ninth inning guy, so he's not going to pitch anything else but the ninth. He's our setup man. He's only going to pitch the eighth. Um, with the way the Swins bullpen's loaded, uh, you have guys like Duffy and Rogers who can do do any of that of that stuff. So I, I was fine with it. And yes, I think the biggest critique we had about Rocco, maybe from last season, even though he had a great rookie, he was manager of the year and, and did a phenomenal job, was bullpen uses in clutch situations because I think that's what we looked at a lot in the Yankee series that kind of went went away. So you'd like to see him learn from that, and I think today was a good example that he is. Randy Dobnik, boys. Randy Dobnik. Five and one third, three hits, two run, two runs, but in uh, Jake uh, Levin-esque fashion, solo home runs. So you really don't care, right? Um, one walk, three strikeouts, four and one now, and, and he actually he's pitched so well. The ERA went up to one point four two. I think he he came in with uh, the best in baseball. I think it was zero point five eight. The point being is, at some point in time, we are going to have to accept this as as him, not not these stats, because these stats are crazy. Uh, but the point being is, if we're concerned, and you should be about the briosis of the world, Randy Dobnik just continues to go out there. And I think for a while, you said to yourself, okay, sort of flash in the pan, you know, adjustments are going to be made to him. How's it going to be um, when he has to adjust? But clearly adjustments have been made to, to Dominic by this point, and clearly he comes back and continues to pitch well. 
Um, at this point in time, I think it's just a wow, though, because, and, you know, we have uh, thrown this term around for Dominic before. He is your ace. He is that good. It is a great story. Yeah, I mean, statistically, he's absolutely their ace. I'd probably start my eight at game one uh, at this point. But, I mean, all he does is pitch well. Like, I've tweeted that a couple of times. But, like, he's not flashy, uh, but he knows exactly what he's doing. He has a good game plan. He knows what his strengths are. He pitches to those strengths. And he just puts up numbers. I mean, regression is coming only because, you know, if he ended his career with a 1.3 career area or whatever, he'd be, like, the greatest pitcher of all time. So, obviously, some regression is coming, but I think it's time – I think the sample size is big enough now where it's time to say, this is a really good pitcher. He's a really solid number two or number three uh, in your rotation until he proves otherwise. I mean, that's what he is. And you have to keep throwing him out there every fifth day. And I think right now he would probably be my game two starter uh, in the playoffs. Certainly no, no worse than game three. Um, I think he gave up, what do you give up? Two or three hits today? Two of them were home runs. So three hits, three hits total. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just gets tons of weak contact, and that's where the Twins improved defense. And by the way, they made a couple of really nice plays in the sixth and the today to, to basically Beautiful. preserve the game. But yeah. their improved defense helps Dobnik a lot, right, because obviously there are going to be a lot of balls in play. But, yeah, man, he's he's not just a good story anymore. He's a really, really damn good pitcher. Yeah, I'm pretty, I've am pretty. i been pretty impressed with him. And I think we told the last time out when he pitched what was on Tuesday or went Monday of last week that – pitch to contact, it can work in your rotation as long as you don't have five guys who are pitched to contact, i.e. what we saw from this rotation for the better part of the last decade. So if you have guys who can strike people out like Kent Amaya, and I know Barrios is struggling, but he still has good stuff. Like if you have someone like Randy Dobnek, who isn't going to get a lot of strikeouts and you aren't prepared for that all the time throughout a five-man rotation, then Randy Dobnek can be really successful. So I, I, he's been great. Obviously, the, there's two pitches he wanted back today, but outside of that, he was in cruise control. I think he sent uh, 10 guys down in a row at one point. Yeah, I, I would probably, you would, you would have to start him at least game two or three um, if the playoffs were, were to start today. Okay, Jake, you start. Um, Three-game playoff series starts tomorrow. Who are, who are lined up as your three starters um, for the Twins? That first round. Through? Are we assuming Rich Hill is healthy because he's probably going to start this week? Say, yeah, yep. Let's say Hill is fine and can pitch. So I probably go Maeda game one, Hill game two, and Dobnik game three, and then I have Barrios come in as uh, you know a piggyback for one of those guys. But I just Barrios is obviously the most. Well, Maeda has a, a lot of talent too. They all do, but I mean Barrios has the highest upside, I guess. But uh, and his stuff looks great, but he has no idea where it's going right now. And I just, you know, his ERA is almost six. I don't see if the season ended today how you could how you could start him in any of those three games. He's definitely on the roster, and I definitely want him pitching in that series. But mm-hmm. yeah, Maeda, Hill, and Dobnik are my three guys right now. I, I just in a season this short and in a series that short, you yeah. have to go with the hot hands, right? You can't just give it to the guy that's the presumed ace just because you know he's the the presumed days, right? You give it to the guys who are pitching the best. And those, those three guys are, and Barrios just isn't right now. I, I would probably go, yeah, I'd probably go Maeda game one for sure. I think he, he's obviously been the most consistent pitcher they have. So I would go Kenta Maeda game one, uh, game two. I would probably roll with either Hill or Dobnek, depending on the situation. I think if the twins were up one Oh, I'd want Dobnek. If they were down, I'm going to probably give it to the veteran. I'm going to give it to Rich Hill. Um, and game three, I would still, I'd actually go to Jose Barrios. Um, even though he struggled a little bit, I would still use him as my as a starter because he, his stuff is still there. I don't think it's just that. I, I, I don't think it's just all that he's a complete wash and you can't even 
risk throwing him in a playoff rotation, I would probably throw him game three. And if it's up 2-0 and you have a kill shot, what's wrong with Jose Barrios coming in for game three to possibly close out the series if you're up 2-0? Well, if you're up 2-0, it's over, right? That's true. But even in, even in a even in a five even in a best of five series, yeah. I would I would definitely still consider putting him at, at, at number three. For sure. I think, for Declan, sure. I, I think from the Twins and Rocco's perspective, Declan's right. Personally, I struggle here because of, of this. I think so much of what Rios is going through right now is mental that I don't want him. I don't feel comfortable allowing him in a huge playoff game. And that first round is going to be crazy. I, I mean, you blink and you're done. And what concerns me about that is I think that that kid, or he's he's not a kid now, I think he's 26. I think that guy is so deep in his own head about things. That's what that's what frightens me here. Like, Jake, you're right. He has no idea where it's going. He, he's t- talked about uh, postgame on Saturday, the adjustment to move more towards the third base side of the mound, and he's working on this, and he's working on that. He's always the, – the bad thing about – this guy, because his stuff is so damn good, right? The bad thing about Barrios to me is he's always thinking, like he's always thinking, and he's always pushing things. And it's and you just want to say to him, kid, go out there and trust yourself. Like you'll be fine. Like worst case, you'll be fine. Um, but it's just such a mental game now. That being said, I think that right now, if the Twins started the best two of three first round series on Monday. I think Declan's right. I think the Twins still start him. Yeah. I would side with Jake, though. Um, and if Hill was healthy, I would line that sucker up to go Maeda, the way he's pitching now. Hill, because I trust him, not to not get hurt. He might get hurt, but but I don't think he's going to melt down mentally because he certainly had um, you know tons of playoff experience. And, and when healthy, he's a damn good pitcher. And then Dobnik third. I'm torn here because I don't know what the twins are going to do. And I don't know that the twins can get it through their heads, how uh, potentially dicey it's gotten to be when it comes to Barrios from the mental standpoint of the game. And I definitely empathize with Barrios as someone who overthinks everything all the time. Like I totally get it. Um, And I've been there, obviously not at that level, but um, I I understand what he's going through. And uh, I, I, it's just he's so lost right now. I mean that that sequence in the fourth inning where he walked the number nine hitter, I think the, the backup catcher, right, Gallagher for um for the Royals to to walk that guy and put two guys on and then just leave an eighty four mile an hour cookie right in the middle of the plate for arguably the Royals' best hitter. Certainly right now their best hitter. It just the pitch selection was just bizarre, and to not be able to throw a strike to to the number nine hitter there, it just it it tells me that he has a long way to go. Luckily for the Twins, they don't need to start. You know, they don't need to figure out their rotation right now. The season is basically a third over. So there's still plenty of time for him to figure it out. They got the dauber, Jake. They got the dauber. The dauber's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and he has a rubber arm, too. I mean, it doesn't seem like anything faces the guy. It's like so many guys on the Twins rotation are, because they're older, they have to be kind of finessed along, you know, like Rich Hill. And you want to even monitor Maeda a little bit because I think he's probably over, I think he's over 30. Um, but with Dominic, it's like, there's there's no drama like you just throw him out there every fifth day and he's going to do what he does and it's really valuable to have a guy like that on your staff. Let's talk defense, guys, uh, because you know, and we we have uh, certainly brought this up on the uh, Twins podcast before and uh, last call. But you know, this was a team that a year ago defensively I thought was not good. They sort of publicly dismissed it as oh well yeah, and I think we all kept saying. 
what are you talking about? Like, you can't not be good defensively. Your, your ball club can't, can't be as good as the uh, 2019 Twins were. And then be like, yeah, yeah, Snow didn't get to that ball. Block, go through that ball. Oh, ah, be quiet, you know. Um, today was the latest in, I think, 2020. A long line of plays, though, plural, that we've seen. Uh, in the sixth today, with what, guys on first and second, 3-2 count on Dozier, uh, they start the two guys. They're going, and um, and we get that ball uh, lined to left field. And according to StatCast, Rosario comes in and makes what they call a five-star catch. He covered 48 feet in 3.4 seconds, and if he misses that ball, two-run score, no question about it. Um, that starts defensively the great plays. The second play is the double play ball that May induced in the seventh which Blanco made a nice play on, but his flip was off a little bit. Arise stretches Jake Depew, barehands the damn ball, and makes a great throw. I mean, these are two plays, or at least one um, play, that a year ago gets flubbed, and, you know, the tying run eventually probably scores. This is the type of thing why, why in 2019, I think you kept saying to yourself, you got to make more plays. And the 2020 Twins are not only making more plays now, but they're making some damn good plays. And, I mean, that was back-to-back innings of defensive excellence. And those are the type of things, again, I'll go back to it, first-round short series where that can save your bacon really quick because if you flub those plays, that's how you get ousted in the first round very quickly. Yeah, and we and we saw it in game one of the ALDS, right, where Arise was hobbled and he couldn't quite get to a little looper. I think LeMayhew hit, and that started a rally that ended with C.J. Crone just totally whiffing on a double play ball that allowed a couple of runs to score. Yeah, their defense was pretty bad last year, and um, they didn't publicly acknowledge it much, but I do remember in Milwaukee they had a particularly bad game. I think Polanco had a couple of errant throws. And we asked somebody asked Baldelli about it after the game. And he actually said, like, our defense needs to be better. It's not where it is right now. And I remember that quote. And then I, I like a few, uh, maybe 10 days later, I was covering another game and I asked Baldelli, I was like, you know, you said in Milwaukee that the defenses needs to be better. Do you feel like they've made any improvements? And he answered it. He looked at me like he had never said that. And he answered it like, no, everything's fine. What are you talking about? Like, no, no, I heard you. I heard you say that. So like they knew, uh, but they don't, obviously they don't like to ever rip their players, which is a smart move, but yeah, it's much better this year for sure. That Rosario play was, was outstanding. Um, He makes a lot of, he makes some boneheaded plays out there and he makes a lot of really spectacular plays. That's just kind of who Eddie Rosario is. Yeah, you, yep. you live you live and die by Eddie Rosario, um, and and he made a great catch and was able to double them off. I believe the expected batting average on that from Baseball Savant said it was like eight thirty two. Like, I mean, absolutely, that that that's a hit eighty five percent of the time. And like Judd said, it was such a risky play that if he doesn't come up and catch that ball, well, now you got you're not you're not talking about a double play. You're talking about two runs coming in. The entire shift of the game turned. So I think Rosario did the right thing. And then even there was another play. Um, earlier today, obviously well, the, the great the great turn from Polanco and Arise, and and I know Polanco kind of had that one shifted out a little bit in his glove. He couldn't get it out in time, but he still makes a slick move. Great play by Arise was able to to bounce back and do it. Um, and and the, the defense was definitely there. And I think even with how they adjust things late in situations, um, when they're able to you know put Marwin Gonzalez, who can I 
swear to God, play any position he wants other than catcher. Um, you can put him at first, and and defense is definitely the one thing that they needed to improve, and I think they did that. I think they've been able to do that this year. Is it going to be legendary? I don't think so, but I, I think it can definitely be above league average, and that's probably where you want to be. Can we talk about Marwin for a second, just to, to piggyback off your point? Because he might be the MVP of the team. I mean, Cruz is their best hitter right now, but like Marwin's been really good at the plate, but his defensive versatility, man, is huge. Like he's not just a guy who can play multiple positions. He's a guy who can play multiple positions really well. And I think you saw it today, right? They, they removed snow out of the game in the seventh inning and he just shifts over to first. Um, it's, it's super valuable to have it. That's why they signed Marwin Gonzalez to do these types of things. And mm-hmm. when, the no, you know, still sort of learning first, and he's been okay over there, but not, you know, spectacular. Um, it really helps to have Marwin to be able to 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 plug in there. Uh, so yeah, he's been in my book one of the one of the two or three best players uh, on the team this year, just in terms of overall contribution on both sides of the ball. That guy's a pros pro too, right? Like, I mean, he he every time he, you know, I, his approach I absolutely love because he never has a, you know, to your next point, he can play second. He can play first, the outfield, third, and at third, he's fine. He's pretty good, right? Uh, last thing, how much longer can we keep this going with Miguel at the plate? Because, you know, the the uh, garbage struggles certainly continue as well. But the Sano strikeouts, I mean, and I know he strikes out a ton, okay? So this is not breaking news. It's not surprising. But the Sano strikeouts are alarming at this point. Uh, Jake, start with you. What would be your philosophy? Because they've tried to sit him out at times. And, and to your point, Jake, you know, he, he's played first base pretty well. Uh, but beyond that, what would be your philosophy about usage? I mean, he's going to hit home runs. I get that. But um, he is a walking strikeout right now. Yeah, I mean, his strikeout rate is over 50%. And that's just not sustainable, especially when you're, I mean, his average is like 140, something like that. Um, it's a major issue, man. And and I think I think you have to keep playing him because you never know when he's going to break out of that slump. And once he does, he's a really good hitter, as we saw last year. I think you keep playing him for another 10 to 15 games or so. But, you know, if you get halfway through the year and the sample size is up to close to 100 at-bats and his strikeout rate is still 50% and he's not, you know, his average is under 200, at some point in a 60-game season, you have to say, we're going to play the guys who are playing well. So no, it's just not playing well. I mean, he's not hitting at all. He's not Mackie tweeted out that he makes contact. And I think it was like 58% of fastballs or something like that, which is absurdly low. Like if he can't catch up to a fastball, then he's really in trouble. Cause he's always had trouble with, with off speed stuff, but if he can't catch, catch up to fastballs, uh, there's just not a lot there. Yeah. It's definitely an alarming trend. 54% is, is way too much. And, and, and I think the lack of connecting on fastballs is, is the most alarming part. Is he going to get fooled on a, on a breaking ball? He, he has his entire career. So you know that he'll eventually have to make adjustments to that. But if he's losing out on fastballs, if he can't k- connect on a fastball and hit a snow bomb um, into the third deck or whatever it is, that is not okay. And I know Jake was tweeting about this too, that, that you might even have to, if you were, if you really wanted to, See see what Brent Rooker could do. See what someone can do who has a almost a similar bat. You're right you know? down I mean, three. you might as well. You might as well, well try down. because I, I don't think you just bail on. Obviously, yeah, you're not going to bail on Sano, but but you can't afford to have a guy in your lineup striking out 55 percent of the time and can't make contact. So it's definitely something I think we should probably monitor if if Sano really continues to struggle. Final thoughts, boys. Jake. Yeah. I- 
the, the pitching continues to carry the team, right? I mean, other than that 12-run outburst in Milwaukee, it's really been the pitching that's won most of these games. It's not what we expected coming into the season. Uh, but despite the fact that they've had injuries to, what, three-fifths of their starting rotation, the starters overall, Barrios aside, continue to pitch really well, and the bullpen continues to be lights out. I mean, the pitching staff is carrying them right now. You know, a, a bunch of 4-2 games. Like, the Bama squad is still not totally show, you know, showed up. I think they will. Um, once they get enough reps, but yeah, I mean, it's really the bullpen right now and, and, and Dobnik and Maeda. Yeah. I've been, I've been impressed with uh, what the bullpen has been able to do. And even though the twins aren't lighting it up offensively necessarily um, so far in 2020, that's still obviously a very competent lineup. And and my final thought would be after watching him today again, too, is Al Avila has been unbelievable for the yeah. twins. I when, when they signed him, I was pretty bullish on it because he, he is, your, he's a great backup catcher. He calls a good game. He has a decent eye at the plate. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be Garber. He's not going to hit 30 home runs, but he's going to take competent at bats. And he's a veteran who's been around the block a few times. And today, three walks or two walks, three runs scored. I mean, the guy is just a machine. I don't know if you can just start playing him every day more over Garber, because I think the plan was initially, no matter what, that you were still going to have Garber take like 60-40 split. It wasn't going to be a 80-20 or 70-30 thing. So you knew Avila was going to get in the mix more. But with the way he's playing, I think, yeah, Al Avila could turn to be maybe more of the everyday catcher, especially if Garber continues to struggle. And poor Mitch, too. I, I, you know, Mitch had, had what the uh, game against the, the Brewers, I believe it was Thursday. Is that correct? Where he had three hits or uh, Wednesday. Uh, yes, and, you know, looked, per, looked good in that game. But, man, he just looks lost. Uh, here's my final thought, and I love this play, and it's a small play. It's just a snapshot in today's game. But to me, it was huge progress. Um, one out. Let's see here. I, I got my scorebook out here. Yes. One out top of the sixth. Merrifield dumps one into center field. Just a little blue dunk single, right? Buxton's playing back because he, he now plays back to try. And if, if he does crash into the fence to lessen the impact of a uh, said crash into the fence, Buxton's playing back. The ball comes uh, and dumps in front of Buxton who raced in, but sort of slowed up and played it on one hop, right? This is the Cleveland play last year. Like he could have accelerated, he could have come in, he could have dived at the ball, he could have he he could have possibly made a head first uh, sliding catch. It's not worth it. This is the exact type of thing that I, I think the Twins have worked so hard on Byron Buxton with, right? So to say, okay, if Whit Merrifield on an arbitrary Sunday is going to get a single, oh, too bad. Allow him to get his single. I love this play because it shows the progress and maturation of this guy as far as risk reward if this is game two of the playoffs and it's the best two or three and you're down in the series you might have to dive on a sunday like today you don't have to that's my final thought i absolutely loved that play because that play spoke volumes to me about where byron buxton is defensively right now still makes a lot of good plays but doesn't make the plays that might be spectacular, but you really don't need because the payoff is he might get, or, or the downside is he might get hurt. So that's my final thought. I love that play. But I yeah, I, to wear my mask. So yeah, I you're good. Um, I, I I think I think it was a smart play just to give him the single, and I think you know the the batting average on that expected to hit was like 130. Like it's it's a it's a lazy can of corn fly ball that any other normal depth outfielder probably comes up and makes the makes the catch, but. If, if that if that helps Buxton's you know readiness and, and availability, I'm all for it. I don't care that Whit Merrifield gets a single on a Sunday afternoon in the top of the six.
Totally. I saw that play and I pictured Judd just like going like this in the press box because he was so excited about it. We call it progress, it. Jake DePue. We call it progress. No, it was, it, it's, a, it's a smart play. And, and especially the, the way he's hitting right now, he's way, way too valuable uh, to, to be doing that stuff. Unless, like you said, it's the playoffs or, you know, division titles on the line or something like that. So, um, yeah, he, all good signs from Buxton so far. All right, we're done. It's the uh, Score North Last Call Twin Show. Declan Goff, Jake DePew, Judd Zolgad. We appreciate you watching Twitter, Twitch, or Facebook. I'm sure we'll be back soon again. Talk to you all later. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.